I am very, uh, very glad to be able to share this topic with you. If you did not get a handout, they are available at, at the door. Um, we have a, a team of leaders that, that chooses different topics. I enjoyed so much uh, Brother Tim's topic last last week on on how to connect with with a guest and and new believers and new members and his stories i i will i will always remember those stories that he told they were very powerful and um the way he presented that from his own experience his own life we we just sat there and we realized the power of connection the power of somebody caring enough to connect with someone. Tonight, I get to speak on this particular topic, how to minister to the pastor. How to minister to the pastor. I have never been able, I've never been asked, I've never even thought to prepare a lesson on this. And it's so extremely important uh, especially for the day that we are living in, we need uh, our pastor to be at his best. Second Thessalonians five twenty three best spirit soul and body, spirit soul and and body. It was suggested in the conversation, so it's going to be a couple of minutes before we get to the handout. It was suggested that I introduce myself. Uh, because uh, they said you you don't need to assume that everybody you know knows who you are because there's different people that that have uh, joined us and and joined our church family and so I'll take a minute and and do that I'm not being presumptuous here I was asked to do that and so I will do that I was blessed to be raised in a home that that put extreme emphasis on church involvement pastoral honor and respect and cooperation. I was, I was very blessed by that. There would be no way I could ever thank my parents enough for the focus that of, of being involved in the church, being connected with the man of God as we could. Um, and it's just amazing what all of that, what all of that meant and what it has continued to mean to me through the years. My dad was never a pastor. My dad was a, um, a layman in the church, a, a minister in the church. We were always very close to our pastors, and the reason why we were close was because of the involvement that our family, um, the priority that our family placed on the church and the ministries of the church and, and the involvement. I led my first youth group. That was my, my first uh, official leading, I guess, positional leading, I guess you would say, whenever I was 18 years old. And I was licensed with our organization whenever I was 20. And I've uh, held many positions in a local church, starting from janitor to associate pastor, and about everything in between except ladies uh, director. 
I was I was never the ladies director, uh, but other than that, I was I was probably connected with about everything involved in a church. The longest running pastoral service that that I have had the privilege to do was for thirty years at one church, and I started at that church as the youth pastor, and and then whenever I left, I was the associate pastor. So. I've been in active ministry for over 40 years, and I've had the uh, privilege to serve multiple churches and pastors. I believe I've served six pastors in three or four um, different churches, I believe. I think, it's, I think it's four. So whenever I'm talking about this pastor business... Um, I think I have some pretty good connection and experience having never been a senior pastor to be able to to speak about this. So I want to ask ask a couple of questions. Uh, How many of you have ever been personally ministered to by Pastor Harpole or Sister Tammy? A few of you. Um. How many of you has he ever preached one of your family's funerals? Okay. Weddings? Any weddings? Baby dedications? Any baby dedications? Uh, How many of you have ever received any personal advice or connection from either one of them? Either one of them. How many of you have ever heard him teach a tabletop Bible study? Um, how many of you have ever had either one of them show up because of an emergency in, in your life, something unexpected? Uh, how many, how many think they have, that they have ever called your name individually in prayer in individual? Okay. How many feel like that they have a personal burden for, for you your present life and your eternal and your eternal life. Okay. Now, you know, I, I trust everything I say tonight is in line. I've I've tried to be very careful in my presentation of this, but let's dive in and if there's any issue just put my name on it, nobody else's, okay? I want to I want to give you a word in my opinion about our pastor now, it would be very easy to assume that all is well in the Harpole world. be very easy to assume that. Or if you're listening to this and you have another a pastor, then in your pastor's, your pastor's world. Now, in the New Life Fellowship world, and I've, I've been privileged to be a part now, I guess, uh, going on five years maybe, or or five years, and this is kind of what I've seen. It would be easy to just assume that everything's always fine in his, in his world. Now, he, he has no idea what I'm saying tonight, okay? He has not looked over my note. He has not said anything. He didn't even choose this topic, so, so don't lay anything on him. He looks sharp. He always looks put together. Uh, he's intelligent. I believe we would all... We would all say yes to all of that. 
He's emotionally controlled. Thank God I've seen some pastors who are not. He, um, he does not walk to the pulpit with his, emotion, his personal emotions and what he's dealing with, pouring over the pulpit, throwing it into everybody else's life. Uh, he doesn't drag all of his struggles to the pulpit. He has good answers. He gives good direction. He's anointed. He now lives in a nice house. He drives a nice car. He has a nice family. So what could he possibly need? I mean, really, come on. I mean, the man's sharp. The man's intelligent. He's, he's got good answers. He thinks fast on his feet. He's... Uh, Got a lot of wisdom, knows a lot about the Bible. Thank God for his parents and his brother who, who you know, the word was always so important and all that drilling in Bible quizzing and, and all that. Well, we, we reap the benefit of that because, believe me, whenever a man of God can stand up and that much Scripture pour out, the atmosphere is changed when the word of God is shared. Because it's powerful, and we, and we have that in him. So, so how hard would it be to verbally express the importance and the value of, let's break it down, a holy man, is, is, he, is he a perfect man? No, because no human is. But a holy man, a righteous man, a dedicated man, a consecrated man, an anointed man, a, di- a disciplined man, a focused man. Put a value on that. Put, put a value on that. Can you? You can't. You absolutely can't. I mean, it's, it's so easy in life and in human relationship to take people for granted. I take Melanie for granted. I take Kendra, I take Derek and, and Braden for granted. I just, you know, you just think that people's always going to be around and, and everything's just kind of, we just take people for granted. It's easy to do. And, you know, week in, week out, him coming in, doing his thing, shaking hands, connecting with people, coming up here trying to get his mind into it, and, and oh, Lord, have mercy. If, you know, if people would just leave him alone at that point. I mean, when you're trying to get your mind on walking up here, you know, save, save the, I got this problem, I got that problem. Okay, well, just save it at that point because we're trying to be clear to, to come to the pulpit. But, but just assuming and taking just for granted that, hey, you know what, Sunday, either he's going to be here or he's going to have made a good decision to put somebody in the pulpit, well, you know, whatever. It's just easy to take this for granted. And so now, you know, those of you that started at the student center, that's called the North Campus, isn't it, that, that started there, well, you, you've got more of the story than we do. And so there's a lot of us that just came now in this building, right? We don't know the struggles of that building. We don't know. And then there will be other people that will come that this building will never have a connection with them. It'll just be that big old nice new one. And so it's easy to just take it for granted. But I promise you, this, this 
parcel of ground would be far different if it wasn't for an anointed, focused, disciplined, consecrated, holy man that leads us. It just is what it is. So let's, let's get into the handout. That was a long introduction, I know. Uh, Jeremiah 3.15, I believe, explains him well, and that is, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So let's talk about the importance of our pastor, the importance of a, a senior pastor. I was reading the other day in Mark, and this scripture really um, spoke clearly to me, and then I knew I was teaching this lesson, and it connected. Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. Now, I know that the context of that is different than what I'm teaching tonight, but the context and the principle is smitten shepherds lead to scattered sheep. Smitten shepherds lead to scattered sheep. So I know what I'm going to ask you to consider is, is, not, is not easy to consider, and we don't like to consider it, but, but let's, let's go ahead and, um, and, and really put it where it is. If, if, if you wanted to cause New Life Fellowship as much confusion as possible, who would you want to remove here? I mean, who would be the big, I could name some names right now of some people here and teaching around that, that my, my Lord, if they had a car wreck and, and they were taken out, I mean, it would it'd shake us. It would be like, but hey, if, if we lost pastor tonight, okay, now everything changes. So that's, that's just the reality. And and in the spirit, of course, we look at we can look at this spiritually. We can look at this naturally, but even in the spiritual, you can believe that the biggest target on the back of any individual connected with this church from the enemy is our pastor. Promise you that. I promise you that. Now, okay, we've got that one handled. Let's, let's dig a little deeper. Who do you think would be the second biggest loss if we lost somebody tonight? I think it'd be Sister Tammy. I think that would be the, the biggest loss. If, if we were going to say, okay, in new life, you say, oh, well, now everybody's just human. I got that. I got that human business. As a matter of fact, one of the points we're going to talk about is humanity. But, but let's, let's look at this situation the way that we really should be looking at it, and we see that uh, the individual that could cause the biggest jolt losing them to New Life Fellowship is, is Pastor Harpo, without a doubt. The second most important person, in my opinion, that could cause the biggest disruption would be, would be uh, Sister, Sister Tammy. Um, what do you think, going to that, to that third level, uh, what do you think it would be? I think it would be one of their kids. 
Well, why? They're, they're just kids. The connection, the impact. Uh, I mean, David is the king. David has been driven off the throne by Absalom. Absalom is, I mean, Absalom was as bad as you get. He betrayed. He did all of these things. But when David heard that Absalom was killed, man, he was, I mean, he, he was a wreck. Uh, he loved the nation, but, but that was his son. Is this, is this making sense? Okay, now, now just hang with me a second, then we'll start working down your list. All right? So ne- now I'm going to talk very plain for a reason. Now I want you to consider Reagan. You say, what? Right? Yeah, Reagan Harpo. I want you to consider him. Well, why, why, are, you, why are you pulling his name out? Well, I'm concerned about all three of them. But, but he, a few years ago, they did a youth service up here, and he was the preacher. I think he was 16 years old. Did a great job. You know, how many, how many of you remember? It was, okay, yeah, great. It, it was a great time. It was youth-focused and all that. Well, a few weeks ago, I wasn't here, but there was a big, you know, a big launch. We move into to the next level of whatever, and, and he was, uh, and he was used. And, and what I had in my mind was, whoa, the pressure just went crazy. Just went crazy. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, here's what I'm talking about. He, we don't need to bring any out-of-bounds rhetoric into his head. Well, you, you'll probably be the pastor of this church one day, or there, you know, there may be a day you're the pastor of this church. Or what? No, no, no. We need, we need to look at him and the other ones, just like any teenager, any young adult, and we need to say, we sure hope that you hear what God is saying for your life, and you obey that wherever, whatever. Take the hard pole stuff out of it. This is, this is very, very important because I have, I have seen, I have seen pastor's kids, preacher's kids, I've, I've just, I have seen their, their minds get scrambled in all this stuff. And so, they get used by God, praise God. If your children get used by God, praise God. Just praise God. We're thankful for anybody that gets used by God. We have no earthly idea what God has for you, 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 or where you'll go, or you'll, you know, I thought I was set and was never going to leave Louisiana. Guess what? God had different ideas. We have no idea what God is saying. It's not about us getting our human rhetoric into things and messing things up. I hope that um, I hope that a lot of people will take time and listen to this because that that is a concern of mine. Now I want to be very clear about this lesson. This lesson is not about people worship. It's not about people worship. People make a major mistake when they worship humans. Worship is reserved for Jesus Christ only. We don't worship people. We don't worship leaders. We don't worship pastors. We don't worship humans. 
Amen? We don't worship humans. See, you know, I don't even like people saying, man, I idolize him. Oh, whoa, bad word. Idol, idolize, idolatry. Now, when this happens, when we start worshiping people, then there are serious out-of-order consequences that, that will happen. We don't worship people. We don't worship humans. It doesn't matter. If a human walks across a swimming pool on the water, we don't worship them. Worship is reserved only for Jesus Christ. However, honor, respect, and protection is in order for our pastor. In your notes, the pastor needs honor, respect, and protection. The reason why I add protection is, is because I personally, as I, as I think about this, when you think about a kingdom-minded apostolic leader, senior pastor, shepherd, I'm talking about one that will stand in a pulpit like he does, and when he cuts loose against sin and cuts loose against the the thinking of the day and all of that, that's, that's not easy stuff, and the target just keeps getting bigger. So what I'm saying is, I'm not, I am not saying all pastors in this comment that I am making right now. I'm talking about the kind of pastor that we have. In my opinion, if you were really going to be truthful about the 2023 endangered species list, that pastor would be on it. Because everything in the world today is pushing against that kind of a voice. To eliminate that voice, even inside apostolic Pentecostal churches. And so we need to understand the importance. So now let's move to humanity. I think one of the greatest ways we can minister to our pastor is to remember that he's a human. Now now consider what was said of King Jesus Christ in Hebrews 4.15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. This is amazing insight. King Jesus Christ tempted in all points like we were and like we are. Every every temptation that I have faced, he, he faced. You know, the only thing is, is he didn't sin. Some of the ones I sinned. You, you know, we we none of us can say that that we never sinned. Well, he was tempted in Jesus Christ, tempted in all of those, all of those points, and and yet was without sin. He suffered pain, rejection, and betrayal. He felt it all, uh, every every bit of that. And if Jesus Christ was tempted in all points like us, then you can believe Pastor Harpo is. He's human. When we look at Apostle Paul, I'm going to read these verses very very quickly because time's moving on. But Romans 7, 18 through 24. Now, Apostle Paul, 
I mean, that's, you know, Apostle Paul, he was like a big deal, like a huge big deal. He's talking, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform it, uh, that which is good, I don't know. It's, he's talking about this war within. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. So Apostle Paul saying, here's that war. I want to do good. Sometimes I do good, sometimes I don't. It's this war in me. So then you go through verse 20, 21. I find that law. 22, um, for I delight in the law of the, the Lord. Verse 23, I see another law in my members that's warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity. And then in verse 24, he says it, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? What we're seeing here is the humanity of Apostle Paul. We're seeing the humanity of Jesus Christ. And so, when I think about this, and I, I think about our pastor, and I think about the fact that I have a personal relationship, and I'm very thankful for this, but I have a personal relationship with many pastors, many, many pastors, many wonderful men of God. And I can tell you, I can tell you, and I am not pushing it at all. Our pastor that stands in this pulpit is one of the most disciplined men that is leading any church anywhere that I know. I mean, he is in like like that top small percent of discipline, and then the the manner that he has laid this church out, the accountability systems that he has put in place. He didn't have to put those accountability systems in place. He, he doesn't, there's no law saying every quarter you've got to sit down with your board members, we've got some of them in here tonight, and go through everything that has happened, all the finances and everything, every quarter. There's no law that says pastors have to do that. Pastors don't have to do that. I mean, we could just go to the end of the year and could bring in, a, a, you know, an accountant in to say, okay, the books are good. Get up. The books are good. Okay, have a good year. You know, let's go on. He, literally, the level of discipline and the level of, of checks and balances that he operates in is absolutely amazing. But you sum it all up, his dedication, his anointing, and he pays a very high price for that. You add it all up, and guess what you get? He's still human. He's still human. He has regrets like we do. He's been hurt like we have been. He's been disappointed many times by others and himself. He has concerns about the future like we do. He has concerns about his family like we do. Um, there, are, there are people that, that, he's, that he's close to throughout the year. I mean, come on, humanity, all right? Hope this is making sense. But I'm just, you know, humanity. Okay, you can't make new old friends. You can't. You know, there are some people around here that have been with him since the first day he showed up. Well, he's going to be closer to them. They got decades together. Is this making sense? Human. There are... 
there are friends I have that, man, when, when they come around, I mean, I'm like, I mean, I connect major with them. It's, it's not that I don't care about other people. It's like we have decades of connection. And it's, it's just human nature. It's human nature that you're going to have some, just like every one of us have, so, so does, does he. You know, you, you add that humanity part, and then you put it in the spotlight every Sunday, and it's tough. It's, it is. It's just tough. I remember, you know, I, was, I had, I had uh, preached a message, and thank God it went well. I've preached several that didn't. And, um, you know, I mean, preparing for the pulpit is a, I mean, it's pressure. It's just pressure. It, it doesn't matter how many times you, you do it. It's just pressure. And week in, week out to the same people, to the same people, that's, that's pressure. That's big-time pressure. And so it was when, you know, I was ministering a lot to the same congregation and I and I ministered, and thank God, God moved. We had a, we had a great move of God, and uh, and I left the platform. And an elder in the church uh, told me, "Goes now, look," he said, "Now that was good," he said, "But don't you go be getting the big head." And I looked back at him, and I said, "Not a chance. I pastor too many straight pins like you." That they ain't gonna be no, they ain't gonna be no big head here, because just about the time it goes real good, uh, it's it's usually not you know five hours or ten hours or whatever. They're, they're gonna be a straight pin, gonna go straight through that. If anything swelled up, it's going to be brought back down. That's just the nature of the beast. But I tell you, humanity is a big thing. He is human, and let's all remember that vital fact. Now. Sister Tammy is a major leader at New Life. She has strong gifting, personality, energy. She's a very good mixture of nurture and strength. And then whatever else that you think about her or whatever your connection has been. But when you go through all of that, be sure and land at, and she's human. And she's human. If any of you have heard, and, and a few of you may have, but um, probably all of you would not have heard the kind of, e- of teaching that I've done uh, with pastors and leaders, but very concerned about women, about uh, senior pastors' wives, very concerned. I speak into it very strongly. Because in many, in many places, it's, I, I use this equation. Undefined plus unrealistic equals frazzled. Undefined plus unrealistic equals frazzled. I believe that, that this church is, is in a good flow of, of her ministry and her lane and allowing her, I mean, it looks like to me this church accepts her ministry very well. Thank God, keep it up, but you can believe that, that she is human. 
now, I can understand the humanity more from him because I'm a man. Some of you women would be able to understand the humanity side more because you're women and mothers. And uh, we need to remember humanity, humanity, humanity. These people are human. Amen? I, I believe that a, a vital scriptural insight that uh, regarding all this humanity for all of us is found in Luke 6.31. And this is literally a verse that would absolutely change our worlds and our homes individually, churches, cities, states. It would change our nation. And that is, and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. And so it's like, how, how do we want to be treated? Then that's how we'll treat others and for sure them. How, how, would, how would we like to be encouraged? Then you, we just put that, that pattern, that filter, maybe that would be the word, that filter would be something that, that could help and we could all enhance the humanity side of all of us, brothers and sisters in Christ, on this level, and then, of course, we can minister to them in a very strong way. Well, when we look at number three and we consider the role, uh, this is where it can really get muddy because many times we can expect out of a senior pastor what cannot be given. And many times the humanly impossible is expected. And the Internet has put this on steroids because the Internet has brought instant connection. Um, instant connection has brought impossible expectation. Does that make sense? Instant connection has brought impossible expectation on connection. I mean, people now can get aggravated if they, you know, don't get an answer on a text in, in uh, you know, five minutes or whatever. Um, I like the way he operates. There are some texts I've sent him that he hadn't answered yet. You know, I mean, you know, if he chooses to answer it, I mean, fine. If not, if it, if it gets serious enough when I see him, I'll ask him, but it's like, I don't know if, if that's just me. I don't know if I, if I need to realize that, that I'm on the, the bad list. But uh, maybe some of you get answers from his text all the time very quickly. I don't. So, you know, that's fine. Maybe that's an issue. Maybe I need to repent. I have no earthly idea. But the fact that he does not answer all of my texts quickly, I, I like that. I like that. It's, it's kind of like one, one person said, uh, if I'm available 24-7, I'm not going to be worth much when I am. This, this, world, this world has taken pastoring to an impossible level, an impossible level. The closest analogy that I can find in Scripture regarding pastoring, if we're going to talk about a role, would be shepherding, would be shepherding. So in your notes, pastoring is shepherding. Now, I may have missed something, but this is just off the top of my head. This is what a shepherd does. Leads, feeds, waters, protects, corrects, and restores. That's just off, off the top of my head. So how can we minister to our pastor? 
allow him to lead us, feed us, water us, protect us, correct us, and restore us. Put, to put ourselves in a position to be led, fed, watered, protected, corrected, and restored. We, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt what we know about life is, is we don't know what life's going to bring. That, that's what's for sure. What's, what's, what's for sure about life? Uncertainty. We have no idea. We can be doing great one day, and then something can happen through one of our uh, wrong decisions or a wrong decision of someone around us or a decision by somebody that we have nothing whatsoever to do with, and our worlds can be flipped upside down. This is the reason why we need to put ourselves in a position to be led, fed, watered, protected, and corrected, and restored. The role, the role of a shepherd. The expectation. Number four, expectation. I believe that um, having a biblical pastoral expectation is vital. We should expect him to feed us, not digest it for us. Okay? Feed, not digest. Guide, not sustain. Guide, not sustain. Equip, not enable. Now, if we truly put ourselves in a position to be fed, to be guided, to be equipped, life, uh, life can change in a major way because I can tell you we are going, we are in very uncertain times, and the forecast is it's only going to get more serious. I'd love for there to be some major change and, you know, just flip the whole United States and the whole world back on some wherever that we felt that could never change a few years ago when we were, you know, just thinking that, Oh, wow, we're blowing and going. Well, that stopped. And so now we really have no idea what is coming. So in the fivefold ministry, in the role of the senior pastor that walks to this pulpit every week and shares what he has positioned himself to hear from God I believe that we need to make sure we have a biblical expectation of his role, of him. And we need to get away from some of this human expectation that is bleeding into the church and turning senior pastors more into celebrities and buddies. Right? I don't need a celebrity pastor. I don't know about you. I don't need a celebrity, and I don't need a buddy. But I do need a man that will spend time with God and will be focused and will walk to a pulpit and come hell or high water, speak the truth. Now, that's what we do need. One that will, that will speak things that will make us think. One that will speak things that will challenge our thinking. Acts 6-4 positioning is, is what I think we need to expect, that this is a must. 
Acts 6, 1 and 4, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring. I know I've taught this before here, but it needs, this line needs to be repeated right here. Growth brings murmuring. Growth brings murmuring. Just don't let it be us that's murmuring. Live above the murmurers. So this is, this is what happened. And it was, had something to do with the way people were being uh, taken care of. Verse 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word of God. That is what we've got to expect him to do. Give himself to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Not being our buddy. Not being, you know, I, I've just, you know, I've just got, my pastor's just got to be my best friend. No. No, he doesn't have to be our best friend. He doesn't have to be our buddy. But we really need to expect him to position himself for prayer and the ministry of the Word. We're talking eternity here, not just having a good time in our life. So equipping and releasing for ministry is a must. And so I believe that, that we need to expect him to decide and direct and develop. And then, yes, there's the doing. But, but this, is, this is not, we don't need him locked into doing. We, we need him locked into deciding and directing and developing. That's what we need. Because, unfortunately, what has happened is a non-biblical pastoral expectation has been created in the church world. It's non-biblical. And senior pastor couples are being locked on lower levels of leading, and they're spending their time doing things that the body should be doing, and that doing level is a trap. They need to be doing what only they can do. They need to be making decisions. They need to be directing people and developing people for, for the work of the ministry. It's, it's very clear in the Word of God. So yes, yes, they're doers. You know that if you're around them. They're high energy. They're always doing something, going to. Okay, got that. But we've got to make it clear. We need to minister to them in a manner that that we let them know that we expect your doing to be deciding and directing and developing. We, we you know, yeah, yes, I think he vacuumed here one time uh, recently or something. Great. If he, if he feels like he needs to vacuum, fine. We're not, we don't expect him to vacuum. We don't expect Sister Tammy to vacuum. We don't expect them to clean. We don't, well, why? Are they too good? No, no. The, the kingdom is too important for them to be locked in on a lower level. Are they too good? My Lord, if they have not proven by now they're not too good, they never will. Let's expect them to lead on the level that only they can lead. That's a way we can minister. 
Is this making sense? Some of you are looking at me like I fell off of something. Okay. Well, just don't throw anything at me, and, and we'll, we'll be good. So, number five, with about ten minutes to go. Number five, ways to minister to our pastor. Personal God connection. You say, now wait. My connection with God will minister to him. You have no idea how it will minister to him. I mean, when we're personally connected to God through prayer and the word, whenever, whenever we are positioning ourselves with God, yes, that will minister to them in a major way. Because when you have people who are connected to God through prayer and the word, then those people can actually help somebody else and can actually lead instead of always, here it goes, instead of always being needing to be fed, at what point do we get to where we're a feeder? I mean, we're supposed to go from an eater to a feeder, right? That's what we're supposed to do. And so our personal God connection positions us to do just that. I believe another way we can minister them is pray a prayer covering over him, his family, and this church. Uh, How do we do that? Whatever you're praying for for yourself, pray it for him. Pray it for her. Pray it for their kids. Whatever you're praying for your kids, pray for their kids. Uh, Whatever you're, you're, I mean, pray for this church. Let's, let's, let's get a prayer covering. Let's, let's build a, a prayer covering that is an atmosphere-changing prayer covering. And it is possible to do that. Here, here's a big one. Well, they're all big ones. But this one, give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, one thing about, about pastoring is, is you can't explain yourself publicly. And it's one of the hardest things to to know that you've made a decision and you know the decision is right, but in the eyes of a, of, of a bunch of people, they don't, they don't think that, that it's right. Or they don't see, and you can't come to the pulpit and say, okay, you know what, now here's the reason why X and X, they had this issue, and some of you are wondering why I made the decision I made. Well, the reason why I made that is you can't do that. You tear things up. It's like that old saying, even the thinnest pancake has two sides. Well, then a triangle has three, and a square has four, and an octagon has eight. I mean, you can see the concept here. It's like, give, give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, there, there, is just a, there is just absolutely no way that, that, that he, him making that decision, there is no way that could be right. They just have to eat it a lot of times. I mean, unless it becomes a big enough deal in the church that you've got to get up and mark it, you know, God forbid, we, we don't want to go there. Give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't, I don't, under, I don't understand all that. I don't know what the reasoning is, okay, that person was involved there, now they're not, this was this, that was that, now we've done this well, but last time, but last time that happened with them, and now this time this happened, and now it's different, and give them the benefit of the doubt. 
When, when we have a man and a woman that consistently, week in, week out, discipline, anointed, fasting, praying, accountability systems, uh, being accountable to this, being account week in and week out. Will, will he make a wrong decision at times? Yes. So what is our role there? Our role there is to pray for him. Our role there is to pray for him. Our role there is, is if there is, if there is a, if there is major information that we're holding, that we know, that could help him, then, then we share that information in a, in a godly, right-spirited manner. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Another way that we can minister is be a unifier. Uh, one of the best possible ways is to be a a unifier. We we literally we literally need to be people that develop an absolute abhorrence for disunity. We we need to be people to where we when we sense it, if it's if it's somebody that we're connected with that we we need to say, look, hey, let's talk. Now hold on, let's talk. I'm not, I'm not saying get up and make a big deal. I'm just saying unity. Unity is so very important. There is not one thing that another church in this area can do to stop New Life Fellowship. <coughs> There's not one thing anybody can do outside of here to stop New Life Fellowship. But you get disunity loose in this church? Unity. Another way is to be an encourager. Um, this is to encourage those around, encourage people. Uh, being an encourager ministers to them in a major way. And then, hey, it's, you know, I know that everybody can't line up after he preaches and everybody shake his hand and say, good job, pastor. Next, good job. I, know, I understand that. When you, when you get this many people, you can't do those kind of things. But a thumbs up, that's, that doesn't take a lot of effort. Um, uh, periodically mailing them a card. You know, hey, uh, I'm just thankful for you. Just, I'm thankful for you and Sister Tammy. I'm just, I'm thankful for you. Thank, thank you for the weekend and, and the, the week out. And, you know, if you ever want to, I don't know where they like to eat, but if you ever want to drop a gift card in or just some kind of something on just saying thank you, just be encouraged. We're, we're with you. But the, the biggest way to, to be an encourager is to be in this thing pushing in the right direction. And then responding to delegated authority. Um, this, this issue right here, five minutes to go, for anybody that you, any of you that are wondering if I see the clock, five minutes. Responding to delegated authority. See, I mentioned in Acts 6 and 4 about expectation for them to be positioned for prayer in the ministry of the Word. That does not happen if a church is not accepting and responding to delegated authority. I cannot tell you the pastors that are locked in on a, a lower level, and they're never going to move that church because their church won't respond to delegated authority. If the pastor's not saying, if, you know, if they have a question about something, they, they have to hear it from the pastor. They have to hear it from the pastor's wife. If, no, delegated authority. 
when, when we're trying to get an answer for anything, if there's anybody else that you know is in a position that's been delegated the authority of that position and it's an answer you're needing, it's information, go to them. It's not about it, it, it's not that we're that you would be bothering uh, Pastor and Sister Tammy. It's just a distraction. If someone else in delegated authority can handle it, then then let's let that happen. We can really minister to them by being kingdom-minded. I've often said that, you know, we're all kingdom-minded. It's just a question of whose kingdom. And if we ran our decisions through two filters, number one, what would the king say about this? And the next one, will it expand the kingdom? We can minister to them in a major way. And then to be harvest-focused, oh, my. Uh, I... Wow, that's a big one, to be harvest-focused. Can you imagine what could happen in a church if, if we were more focused on seeing the lost saved than the saved happy? I mean, really, if, if, if a church could ever make that shift to where it was literally more important to see somebody else saved than us happy, to be, to be kingdom-focused, my that would minister to him, I guarantee you. How about this one? Follow his example. You know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so it would be following his example. Now, these scriptures are not in your notes, and I did not put them there for a reason. Here they are. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Now, okay, that's something on this side. Now look at their side as they that must give an account, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. That's unprofitable. If if we operate in a manner and we're not submitted, then on the time when they give the account that we were not that's going to be very unprofitable. Now, that's, that's nice language for you don't want to be in this position. Now, James 3 and 1. This is not just speaking of Pastor Harpo. This is speaking of, of, of teachers and all in this church, leaders. My brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Um, you don't you don't just decide that you want to be uh, that you want to be a preacher or a pastor. You, you don't just. I mean, I'm sure some people have. I don't imagine that aged well at all. You don't bring this on yourself. It's a calling. But can you imagine? Here we are. Here we are. And I'm I'm closing. But here we are. We're we're here. Full house. Auditorium. He's in his prime. Um, so many solid things going right. Let's make sure that, that, that we're just not getting ministered to, but that we're ministering. Let's, let's make this, let's make this a, a two-way thing. He hasn't listened to me yet. I don't know that he ever will. 
But, I, you know, I think he ought to be gone two Sundays in a row every year. Just gone. Just go, just go blow the cobwebs out of your head. Go disconnect. Just go. Um, you know, maybe someday he'll, maybe an angel will have to tell him. Um, if we can't keep things going around here for two weeks without him, then whoa, we've got a whole other set of issues. But we, we, need, we, need, to, we need to minister to them. We need to minister to them. Their, their care, um, you know, they're in their 50s now. They're not 20. They're not 30. No, they're not old. But they're not the 30-year-olds that was running around here. Now, we need, we need to be thinking down the road here, folks, years fly by. The days are long and the years are short. And we, we need to be serious about this, this ministry to where we're ministering that way just as much as they're ministering this way. Amen? Now, I can tell you all my conversations with him. He, he's, he brags on this church, brags on you people. He's positive. He, you know, but life is life. Reality is reality. Humanity is humanity. The devil is the devil. The enemy is, is going crazy in these days, and we've got to be wise. Nope, we're not going to worship. We're not going to worship them because they're human. But honor and respect and protection, that is in order. Amen? Amen. Can we stand? I'd like for us to end this by just however the Spirit would have you pray for them. Okay? Can we do that right now? Can we just pray a blessing on, on Pastor and Sister Tammy and their family? Can we do that? Father, we're so very thankful for the gift that you have given this church through the leadership, through the shepherd and the shepherd's family. And Father, I'm just praying that you will minister to them in, in the way that only you can. But I pray that you will help us to minister to them in the way that we can. I pray against any trick of the enemy any trap of the enemy that is being set. I pray that he will continue to have discernment and anointing, and I pray that you will lead them and protect them. I pray for them, their children. I pray for their influence, and I pray the power of your spirit to direct them and walk with them every day. In Jesus' name, and can the church say amen?